Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 120 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. What's happening, Elvis? Well, it's hot and humid in Indiana. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) What is hot and humid in Indiana? What, 80? No, we're uh, 93 degrees, and it basically feels like you're taking a shower and boiling water outside. That's pretty much how it is here every day, so I get it. Oh, it's terrible. I went for a run yesterday. It was 93. I went at like 5, and oh, man. Ay, ay, ay. Takes a while to get used to that weather, even when you're a Floridian, because it's hot. Mm. I don't know if I'll be running for a while. I actually think I might have broken a toe the other day. Come on. How do you break a toe? Well, (laughs) I was washing dishes, and you know that cabinet that's under the sink? (laughs) My knee hit it. It fell off the hinge and crushed my toe. It's probably the most pain I've ever been in in my life. I'm laughing, but it's not funny. (laughs) Yeah, I was close to crying and throwing up. Uh, It hurt worse than when I broke my collarbone. I'll tell you, it hurt so bad, but... It's healing up pretty good. I don't know if I broke it or not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your luck. So what's happening at the lab? Well, we have started randomly testing people for COVID. Do you guys do this at night? How do you randomly test somebody? Do you send them out of the lab to go get tested? Yeah. All the counties around us and where most of the employees live offer free tests. Mm -hmm. You just got to kind of arrange it. So we're asking employees and we're letting them do it on the clock, picking two of them if, you know, if it's appropriate and asking them to go get tested just so we can kind of keep up on this thing, make sure it's on a good path for health. I was actually tested last Tuesday, happy to say that I'm COVID-free. Got a big negative result. May I ask how they test you? Do they like shove something up your nose, down your throat? Yeah. What do they do to you? So I actually live in the county that Indianapolis is in. So it's kind of like an operation. You pull up, you have an appointment, you do everything in your car. You never get out of your car. You do everything through the window. You like you hold your license up to your window. You pull into this tent, and a lady, full hazmat suit, shoves a uh, swab up each nostril. Oh my god! And you drive away. The whole thing took about twelve minutes. How soon do you find out? I found out Thursday, so wow. Tuesday to Thursday. It was like a day and a half, and you just get an email. I was kind of hoping more of a congratulations kind of thing, but it was more like a, you have been tested negative and that was about it i think it'd still be smarter if when you left they let you know because then you still go back to work and you're there for three more days and if you were positive you know what i mean just the thought process of the whole thing my thought is maybe i didn't have it when i went to go get the test but maybe i got it while i was getting the test oh god yeah it's crazy but we just thought it would be better if we just i don't know if it's more of a Make everyone feel better that you're doing something, Yeah, you know? Yeah. We've done everything we can inside, so let's say, hey, let's test everybody on a regular basis. We had a driver calling sick this week, and you know, I, I'm sorry. Don't come back until you get tested. I don't yeah. I don't know what else to do. So you guys point. are paying for the test. Are they 100 bucks where you are? Because that's how much they are here. They're free. What? Every county around here, they're free. That's amazing. Yeah, we've had one, two, three... Four of our technicians that have been around somebody, so they've been in quarantine for two weeks, so we get them tested, it's a hundred bucks, and but nobody's caught it. And night pays for that test? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely getting closer to me. You talk about the Florida hotspot, it's, it's taken off here. Yeah. You know, it's getting closer to me, I should say, where I know people that have been around people. I, I still don't know anybody that's had it. But yeah, it's getting closer. It's But I wear my mask and I try to be as safe as possible. That's all we can really do. You know, you really can't do anything else other than hunker down to and wear a mask. Yep. I don't know what half the people at the lab look like anymore. Yeah, I know. You know? It's great. <laughs> it's the new normal. I hate that saying, but it's true. Yeah. Have you known any labs that have opened up and then had to reshut down because? Because we were talking about this earlier when we started this random testing. What if somebody comes back positive? Yeah. Shut down? You do. I don't even know what we would do, but you'd have to. You have to. Anybody that's within six feet of that person or in the same room, 
that whole department has to leave or and whoever else they've been around. So yeah, for sure. Well, the way our lab's set up, I mean, we're all within six feet of somebody at some point. Then so. yeah, you'd probably have to shut down for two weeks. Yep. I wonder if there's any labs out there that had Very to really shut down because of it. I'm sure there is. If anybody's listening. Let us know. At info at voicesfromthebench.com and let us know what's going on. But put a positive spin on it. I don't need yeah. negative emails coming in. Come Do on. that. Do that. <laughs> Jeez. A few times in the past, we've talked about the NADL University program. I took it, I think, in 2015. Did you ever take it, Barb? Oh, yeah. It was probably like 2010, maybe 11. It's a long time ago. Yep. Awesome. Awesome program that we recommend anybody to take. Yes. And because of the crazy way their world works now, the event's virtual this year. Cool. I saw that yesterday. Yeah. Unfortunately, you don't get to go to one of the best hotels in Arizona. But what you do get is two great days of content at a discounted rate. And you get to watch it from the comfort of your own home. So September 25th to the 26th is this great program that's all about dental laboratory management. I recommend anybody that has a technician that you're thinking about making a manager, check out this program. This is how I got into a lot of the management that I do now. Head over to NIDL.org to learn more and to sign up. So this week, we had the pleasure of talking to one of the owners of one of the biggest labs in the Midwest, Ottawa Dental Lab. Now, we've had some of their employees on the podcast before, like one of my favorite couples in our field, the Williamsons. But this time, we got to talk to Jim Caruso, who is third generation owner. What started off as one location in a small town in Illinois has grown to four locations in two states. It's huge. Jim talks about coming into the family business, growing the business, making a culture that encourages the success of every technician, which I love, how they dealt with the COVID-19 and what they have planned for the future. Great stuff. So join us as we chat with Jim Caruso. Barb, I got a call from a doctor who's looking for a new lab. What? That's awesome. Did they start to send you work yet? Yeah, but unfortunately her impressions are terrible. Miss margins, distortions all over. I don't know what to do. Well, she's probably looking for a new lab because the last lab stopped taking her impressions. You know, bad dentists, they go from lab to lab to lab. Yeah, that's probably what she's doing. But you know, I just got this account. I don't want to lose it. When I talked to her, I asked what impression material she was using, and it was some brand I've never heard of. Yeah, there's a lot of crappy impressions out there. I don't understand why offices use cheaper materials to save money up front, but in the end, it ends up costing them twice as much, and with all the remakes for us and for them that they end up doing. And, you know, we gotta eat the remake costs. Yeah, that's so true. I really wish I could find an impression company I could rely on for help, and the doctors can get the help they need for us to get the records we need. So there you have it. Check out Kettenbach, this German-manufactured impression materials taking the U.S. by storm. Not only do they use top-notch patented technology, but they have a dedicated customer service team that will work with your accounts, which is amazing. Interesting. So do I just call the doctor and tell her to switch? You know, what if she doesn't want to? Well, you know how doctors are. Most of them are pretty open and say, hey, if I can do better, please let me know. So if I was you, I would tell her to call Kettenbach Direct, give her the number of 877-532-2123. They've actually got a $99 starter kit. They will put her in touch with a local rep. And they also have a lot of materials that labs use every day, like the Panacell Lab Putty Hard and Lab Putty Soft. They've got Soft Reline. They've got bite registration material. And when a lab orders, guys, listen up, 25% off your first order. All you have to do is mention the code Dental Lab Podcast 25. Plus, they sell direct, so there are even more savings. Whoa, wait a minute. I've heard about that lab, buddy. We use it here in our lab. I didn't even realize it was made by Kettenbach. That is amazing lab putty that our technicians love. I'm going to check out kettenbach-dental.us right now and then call my new doctor. So just hearing Elvis say it's an amazing lab putty. There you go. There's a super awesome recommendation. So call him. Thanks for your support of the podcast, Kettenbach. Thank you.
Voices from the Bench. The Interview. All right, we are happy to have Jim Caruso, the president of Ottawa Dental Lab, joining us today. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So Ottawa, what are you guys up to? Four labs now? Uh, So we have five labs, four locations. We just recently built uh, last year a digital lab in Ottawa, Illinois. So we have both an analog and digital lab across the street from each other in Ottawa. And then we have a lab in Bloomington, Illinois, one in Chicago, Illinois, and then one in South Bend, Indiana. Wow. We'll get into the history, but I'm curious about how this analog on one side of the street and digital on the other. I've never heard of this kind of setup. What made you do that? So what we looked at is, for one, obviously, we came into a issue with space. When we were looking at how do we solve our issue with space, we went in and started looking for a new facility that we could go into. We knew we weren't going to be able to build a new facility to house both just because of the replacement cost of our existing building. It wouldn't oh, make sure. a lot of sense. But then in Ottawa, I mean, we're a smaller town, 18,000. We didn't really find a space that would work for us. So we went back to the drawing board and just kind of after mapping it out, we looked at our workflows and said, you know, a lot of times we have digital people working on digital. They're also working on analog. The workflows are overlapping. Sometimes really high paid people working on products that you're not getting to charge a lot for. So mm-hmm. what if we break it out? And we say, hey, posterior zirconia is the product we do the most of. What if we built a building around that and then obviously add some extra stuff to it? So we ended up saying if we could make a perfect world, we could build this lab. We would put our scanning, our designing, our 3D printing, and our milling, and even our finishers that do just posteriors in it, maximize the workflow so we can have the most production out of it. That's what we did. We built the lab so it just does one big circle with posterior crowns. It also services our anterior all the way up to finishing. And then when we get to finishing, we send it across the street for higher level, more experienced technicians to do our anterior work. And then implants and like removable and model and die is still at our analog lab as well. So it really just allowed us to improve workflows, both on the analog side and the digital side. So we were able to really cut off our turnaround times and make sure the right people are working on the right cases. I really like the fact that you're uh, doing the anteriors in another facility. Do you have like a different level of technicians in both? Do you have higher training in the one? Yeah, so our system is is most of the time we're bringing in entry-level people. I would say about 95% of our production team in Ottawa are with no experience that we've built up. So we have three full-time trainers here. Wow. One that kind of bookwork kind of goes through. We use um, TVS, so she does all of that. And then we have an analog trainer and a digital trainer. What we do is we have five levels for technicians. Each level, they have to achieve certain goals. And then after they achieve those, they're able to take both a written and a practical that allows them to test into the new level, which then gives them a new pay grade and new opportunities. And so most of our people finishing anteriors are level threes and fours. Mm -hmm. To be able to become a level four and five, you have to have a CDT. So that's kind of what helps you get into that level four and five. So we really encourage people getting their CDTs. And if they don't, they can only really get to a level three technician. So it encourages them because they get to open up new pay levels for themselves. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's some great encouragement. I know we've talked to Allie Williamson. I know she does a lot with that program. It's amazing what you guys are doing over there for training. So we have our, obviously our everyday training that we do during business hours and trying to get people. And then Allie actually Actually heads up a study club as well for people to become CDTs. So during that time, it's a monthly, eight months, and they'll meet once a month, and they'll cover all the different areas of the lab. That way, someone in dentures can start learning enough about fix for when they take the test. I think we had 35 people that are in it this year. They just finished, and so 15 of them, 15 or 16, just took the practice test this week. And then once we get the results, the ones that pass will go on to take their CDT test. Wow. You guys probably host... You guys probably host the practical there, so that's pretty convenient. That's what I was just going to (laughs) ask. Yeah, based on having this, we try to host every year. Yeah. Nice. So our people don't have to travel to take the test. And I mean, 
a lot of our people, so obviously you have to have five years experience, but people start joining the study club. We allow them to join after three years of experience so they can start learning the things they need to. So they're prepared at the five-year period. Wow, that's cool. Are you guys designing in-house as well? Yeah, we probably, I would say, design about 90 to 95% of everything in-house. The only time we send out is for overflow. Wow, that's amazing. You know, you can control it better. We've tried yeah. outsourcing and where you really see the difference is just on the amount of finishing, right? I mean, yeah. but if we're designing in-house, it makes it a lot easier to train finishers because I think we don't have to finish our crowns as much as what we've seen coming in from other people. And it's not that those places do it bad, but every lab has different preferences. So our preferences are different than probably both of yours. So yeah. for one person to be able to meet all our needs isn't always possible. Yeah. Plus consistency is a big deal too. You can control it a lot easier. Correct. And I just find that even when we, I mean, we still do use people and they do a nice job, but when yeah. I don't want to have to QC them. So we put them right to the mills, but then in finishing, we'll find an error. So then you got to go and you're starting over and having someone design it, having someone to remill it. When you look at the cost and the delays and the unpredictability, to me, it's, I'd much rather just always train people. And I'm a big advocate of I mean, everybody runs their business differently. I like to grow to be able to add careers. I don't like to grow by outsourcing. That's just yeah. how we run our lab. The more people we're supplying a nice career for is kind of what our family gets excited about. Yeah. So how So how many... Go ahead. You and I are talking over each other today. What were you going to say? <laughs> how, how many technicians do you have? That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Overall, as a company right now, 215 employees. We deliver 95% of our own products. We have a lot of people on the service team and drivers and all of that. We Our drivers travel about 5,000 miles a day. Picking wow. up. Um, on the technician side right now, I would we're at about 145. Wow. That's huge, though. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your grandfather opened the lab. Is that how it started? Yeah. So my grandfather opened the lab in 1937. 37. Wow. So we're on, what are we, about 84 years going on to this year in March. Um, so How did you get into it? Tell us your story. I'm curious. Yeah. So it kind of, my grandfather was from New Orleans, went to Bloomington. Uh, Illinois, and that's where my grandma was, become a school teacher, and she was from this area, Ottawa. So that's how they ended up in Ottawa. He worked at a lab in Bloomington. He never graduated high school or school. At about 16, he had to start helping with the, for the family to help provide. So he learned a little in the lab, and then he met my grandma, moved to Ottawa. So he just went door to door to some dentists, and one finally brought him into the office to do some work. So he was a partial technician and then went into dentures as well. Over time, uh, he he really was the one that saw service. He saw a bread truck delivering bread, and he said, if they can deliver bread, why can't we deliver dental products? So way back in the mid-40s, he put his first route that went up to Joliet, and that really allowed him to expand. I and mean, then my dad, he joined in the mid-60s, which that was right when porcelain was coming out. So he was kind of on the porcelain side. My grandpa was on removables. Um, and then my brother and myself, you know, we worked through high school and that, and then, of course, made the commitment to never come and be in the lab industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we had the joys of every day after school, and if somebody called off on my dad, we would be the ones in there finishing crowns before school. Yep. We never really thought that was that fun when you're 15, 16. You know, you're the only ones that didn't have fingerprints anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so then my brother and I actually were the youngest of my we have six kids in our family. Luke and I are the two youngest. We went to the University of Iowa. He went out to California. I went to Chicago. We were both in kind of sales jobs. I did sales and marketing. And my dad, I wasn't overly happy where I was at with the companies that I was working for. So I told my family that I was going to look for a new opportunity. And at the same time, my dad marketing person was going a different way with her career. So he's like, well, in the meantime, just come and help me with kind of marketing and kind of sales because we're kind of getting new into this. So I came into the company just helping there while I was applying for jobs in Chicago. And then, you know, like that, you never left. Yeah. <laughs> Started in the lab doing marketing on the marketing side, kind of bringing in education to our doctors. Then we started building a sales team that I oversaw. So I kind of was in charge of new business and acquisitions. So the, my brother joined a couple years after I did. He worked in sales for Nay, 
out in California. Oh yeah. And then he came back and it worked out really well because my grandpa was removables. My dad joined right when it was porcelain and then Luke and I joined right when digital came popular. Mm. So kind of the timing of it all worked out where everybody had their expertise and the other people didn't have to lose their concentration on what they were working on. Sure. My brother really incorporated digital dentistry into our laboratory while then I was out doing acquisitions and working on being able to get new dentists on board. So we've put a lot of focus on sales and marketing and then also now doing a lot with startups, acquisitions, getting into that game as well. How are you guys doing right now or a couple months ago with the COVID? Are you guys back 100%? Did you furlough your employees? I and mean, what was that period like for your company? Yeah, so being in Illinois, we were one of the first states that got hit with the close down. I mean, I think it was Seattle, California, New York, then us. So we were pretty much dentistry got shut down. I believe it was March 15th. We had enough for about a week and a half of keeping people on. And then, you know, we had a couple layers of furloughs. And then at one point we just said, hey, this isn't changing like we thought it was. I think everyone thought it would be a week or two. Um, We saw the writing on the wall. So we went from in a matter of a week and a half, 215 people down to 10. Yep. And we kept pretty much the people that could multitask and go into s- several different departments. I even got to get back on to, at one point I was our scanner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, was, I was able to learn it in a day. It was pretty exciting. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly what we did. And you know, it was a hard decision to make. I mean, this was the first time we've ever had anybody laid off in 83 years. Yeah. Mm. So for our family, it was a really tough decision because like, that's something we've always prided ourselves on is never laying anybody off in our whole existence. We've always find a way to manage, even if our sales are down, let's use that time to train or let's use that time to do something different. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time that decision was taken away from us. But looking back, I mean, I think we did what we had to do. I mean, we were really focused on let's not worry about a month from now. Let's make sure we have jobs for everyone a year from now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we really tried to stress that to our employees. And I think just our open communication with them throughout it. I think they trusted that we were making the decision for all of us, not just the company itself. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Moving forward where we're at today, I mean, we opened our Ottawa up and then we've opened, now all of our satellites are back open. And going into this week, I would say we were at about 85%. So far this week, we're at about 105%. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy how fast yeah. it rebounded? It's like eye-opening. You know, everybody was worried about it and... It's like people couldn't wait to get back to the dentist. And it's really shocking. We're the same way. We're up, you know, over last year. And yet, you know, for two months there, we barely saw anything. It's it's pretty awesome. I love it. I was the pessimistic one. Um, two months ago, I thought yeah. it would, you know, three, four months from now, I still thought we'd maybe be at 60, 70 percent because I was really looking at the global effect it had because we were one of the last countries to shut down. So I was looking at all the global effect and most of those labs were only at 60. But I think the difference is a lot of those labs are filled with U.S. work. Mm -hmm. And now I think that U.S. work is maybe staying within the U.S., which allowed us not to see as big of a hit because those labs were having a hard time rebounding because I think most of them are more globally. So they've still had a lot of customers that were shut down when we got back. Everybody was open at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, you have everybody back now? Next Monday, we'll have everyone back. The only people we don't have back right now is like part-time afternoon people. More, A lot of them are high school kids, college kids. They're all coming back Monday. We just didn't want to keep the building open that long. Sure. Based on what's going on. But based on the volume coming in this week, we've called all of them back already, and they're all scheduled to come in Monday. We really tried to not call people in midweek. We wanted everyone to start on Mondays. Obviously, yeah. so they can get the full benefit of, and we don't penalize them on unemployment or any of that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah, that was a hard game to play when people were getting the unemployment and that extra money. It was very difficult for a lot of people to come back. Definitely. I found that not a lot of people here that were furloughed, they didn't even want to come back for a week. Can I have another week? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you had like eight weeks. And, you know, they just, I, I think a lot of people enjoyed the time off because our industry is so intense and there's deadline, deadline, deadline that everybody just was kind of like, 
you know, knowing that they were getting paid from unemployment, the stimulus checks and all of that, um, I think they were really well taken care of. One thing I think that could be a challenge and that I think we all need to address is I think with people being off that long, not just the unemployment, but I also think people now appreciate a work-life balance a little bit more. Um, yeah. Our industry is yeah. pretty heavy in work. So I think just finding ways to make sure management and some of these people can have more time outside of work is going to be important for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like Barb said, we work, 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 and <laughs> we don't take advantage of our, our free time. So is your dad still in the lab? Does he still uh, sit at the bench? No, he hasn't been allowed to be at a bench for a little while because <laughs> if it was up to him, he would be at the bench about 60 hours a week. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's his true passion. <laughs> yep. When he's around, he's usually around about seven months of the year, and he'll stop in every day just to check on how things are doing. And there's times, though, we do call on him, and he's been a big help. So, like, when we started our new facility, one of the challenges we were going to have is we have a bunch of highly experienced people staying at the analog lab, and some of our people that maybe have only been here a year or two are going to our digital lab, and we just didn't have a great you know, they're having to give up. Who do I go to ask questions for? Where am I going to get the extra training? So, I mean, my dad was willing and for about a three, four months period, he was working four hours a day, just sitting with all our new finishers and really spending time with them and mentoring them. That really helped us bring up our overall product in our digital lab. So we call on them for more of that special projects. And mm -hmm. we still go to them, obviously, for insight and hey, here's how I'm thinking about dealing with this situation. How do you think that sounds? Sometimes he says, great. Other times he says, maybe not. <laughs> are you guys using multi-layer zirconia? Or are you layering your anteriors? Or do you do a little mix of both? So we've always just milled white. We don't do multi-layer. Just our posterior full zirconia, we just use a white zirconia and do pre-staining and staining glazing. And then for anteriors, we do the same as well, or else we do layering. Nice. Wow. We could never make that work here. We tried, but now we've yeah. got like 15 different colors and it, it makes it a nightmare. And just using the one white and being able to stain it just sounds so much better for me, but we just never uh, couldn't do it. So I have a, just a high translucent zirconia and then just our regular, we call it our Oz crowned Ottawa zirconia. So we only carry two zirconias. Not different shades, just two white different zirconia. That's nice. Yeah, one's more translucent than the other. Yeah, logistically, that's amazing because I'm probably do what Barb does where I have all the shades and various yeah. sizes and different pucks taking up a whole room. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it really allows us to streamline inventory. And I mean, worst case, you run out of something, you just use an 18 instead of a 14, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's nice. People that are working on the zirconia and staining the zirconia, are they the same people that are glazing or do you have a different team glazing? We have... Pre-stainers, and then we have final stain and glazers. So two different people. Wow, that's awesome. It's through our level system. Mm -hmm. So you kind of do different tasks throughout, depending on what level you're in. But usually what we want, if we were to bring on a new person, we'd want them to do the pre-stain and also learn how to green finish. Nice. Mm, yeah. So we have about four people that can do all the crowns. Nice. Are you full service at all your locations? I mean, the one in South Bend, is that full service and Ottawa full service and Bloomington? And We're kind of looking at running them by state. So our South Bend is full service. They do milling and everything. And then in Illinois, since we have our drivers out, they're full mm -hmm. service. Like they do everything start to finish on removables. But on the fixed side, we do all of the models, the understructure and milling in Ottawa. And then at the other locations, they'll finish in stain and glaze or layer in stain and glaze and deliver. So we're able to centralize our design and all of that. Yeah. So you have cases start in one lab and then go to another lab to finish. Correct. And then they'll deliver them. Oh, interesting. So we have a night route, a guy that'll leave here at like 4.30 in the afternoon and deliver cases for the next day to the other labs. Is it like a box truck full of cases, just random pans, just... Uh, surprisingly, it's pretty well organized. Not by myself. If I was doing it, it wouldn't be. But our team is pretty darn good at it. Nice. So you have like one location where all of the cases come into and then they book them in and decide what laboratory to go into. And then they take them to those individual labs. 
So what they do is we have a team that will come in at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon because our routes get back around 4. Mm-hmm. And then we have a team that works from about 4 to 9.30 at night. And then there's about nine of them. They'll open, disinfect, case entry, every case mm-hmm. at night so we don't lose a day. And then all the work will go into model and die. And then our model team starts at 4 a.m. Uh, they have different shifts, but the first one start at 4. And they'll start doing all the model work. And then that way, that night, when the model work's done, that driver will deliver the cases to the other labs. And then at that point, they'll do the work. They don't do model work at the other labs. So you have one central location for model and booking and opening, and then they get dispersed. That's great. So the doctors only send to the one address. Drivers pick up, so they don't even really... I have drivers at all our locations where they'll start delivering cases, but... They just can call a number and then we do all the pickup and delivery and logistics. And when they call in with questions on the case, they don't even need to know exactly where the cases are. Okay, that makes sense. Do you do any UPS or FedEx? Uh, about 5% of our business. All right, so that makes really? sense. Okay. That's interesting. So that's something I think a little different about us. Everyone always thinks based on size that you're national. I've mm-hmm. tried the national game. I give all of you guys credit who can do it because we've not done well at that game. I think we know what we're good at. And that's if we can pick up and delivery, that's one of our advantages. Mm -hmm. That's where we invest our time and energy. And even when we're looking at acquisitions, we're looking at acquisitions that, you know, say just take South Bend, for instance, we can deliver to Northwest Indiana from Ottawa, but Mm -hmm. that's as far as we can get. So by opening South Bend, now I can go all the way to Northwest Indiana, but all the way into Southern Michigan, all the way over. So it just extended our pickup and delivery area. And our goal is to not have gaps in our pickup and delivery, just to become a big circle in the whole Midwest. Wow. That's an interesting way to go about it. So when you're looking to take in a new lab, you're looking for a lab that's almost already on your route. A lab that's within, I would say, 100 miles of our route. I would want it about a hundred miles because they could go south a hundred miles, east, west a hundred miles, and north. And now I just gained three hundred to four hundred miles of coverage that I didn't have. Wow, interesting. That's a great way to look at it. I've never. I figured you guys were getting cases from all over the country, but Uh that's surprising to me. Like I wouldn't just say if, uh, hey, there's an opportunity in Tennessee. I wouldn't look at it because it doesn't fit our model. Because I have a huge gap from Tennessee to Illinois, right? Yeah. So we've really identified our market as Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Indiana. You were talking about um, starting in sales and marketing. Do you have a marketing and a sales force? Correct. We have a marketing team, does a lot of digital marketing. We do some piece marketing. What else is nice is we cover 5,000 miles. So we also are able to use our drivers to hand out a lot of our marketing pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice personal touch on that as well. And then we have a outside sales team and an inside sales team. And then about five people on a customer service team as well. Wow. How do you organize all those drivers? I'm <laughs> curious. Is there like a, a system that you use, a mapping system? or? Yeah, so we use, a, it's called GoFleet. Every driver has GPS in their system. I can tell you every driver that we employ, I can look at my screen and it shows exactly where they're at at all times. So what's nice is if a doctor calls for a pickup, I don't have to call the driver and say, hey, are you past this doctor? I can just yeah. run that route and it shows me exactly where they are. I type in the doctor's name. It tells me how far away they are from the office. Wow. My team knows exactly where everyone is. Um, we have set routes. So you have everyday stops. So whether they have a pickup or delivery, we stop every day. And then you have other people mm-hmm. that call in and let you know when they have a pickup. The people that maybe use, send you two cases a week or something like that. Sure. We have three people that kind of run the reception team that work directly with our drivers. I mean, that's been a big change too, is just the amount of phone calls that labs see these days versus what you used to right now we see about 1200 phone calls a day wow Wow. that's a lot of phone calls yeah sometimes it feels like we have that many calls (laughs) yeah you ever find a driver going somewhere where they shouldn't be going (laughs) i have some good stories yeah (laughs) (laughs) that got stolen because the guy wanted to stay the night in chicago right but not not too much because i mean the person that oversees my shipping and receiving, I mean, they get alerts. We have it where you can put in a, if somebody's going 15 miles per hour over, send me an alert. Oh. Hard braking, you get an alert. I mean, you can pick and choose. I mean, we try not to police it where it's like crazy, but I'll tell you, insurance company loves it. And it's helped us on a few accidents where we can prove our 
innocence. Like, oh, wow. Hey, they said this happened. It's like, well, you can see here we did hard braking and blah, blah, blah. So it works well. And if somebody's way out of their territory, it'll alert you because you kind of map out their territory. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, if you have a lot of drivers, you always, you're going to come across a complaint here and there from people on the road, like, oh, your driver flew by me, blah, blah, blah. And what I find is now we can actually pull up that incident on our computer and be like, okay, they might've flew by you, but in reality, they were going seven miles per hour over. Is that really something to address or not to address, right? We're in the, we would have addressed it and thinking they were going 25 miles per hour over. Yeah. Sure, yeah. It's all about perspective. We only go to it when need be, because the last thing we want to do is think have our drivers think we're sitting here all day watching it. Yeah, absolutely. We have time to do that. At first, they were all nervous about it. Now I think they really do appreciate it because they see about there's so many less phone calls. So it's a nice safety thing as well, right? Because we don't have to call them all the time. Hey, can you get back? to that doctor. We can just see it and answer there. So it really limits the amount of phone calls going to our drivers, which helps with the safety. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I could totally see the advantage of all that. Even if you only have four or five drivers, it sounds like a really neat system. And have you ever got that your driver never stopped at my office and I can pull it up and say, well, he was there for six minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Or when they go there to pick up a same day and it isn't ready for 45 minutes, you can say they sat there for 45 minutes waiting (laughs) for this. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes too much information, right? (laughs) Do you guys do a lot of same day services in your area? Yeah. I mean, all my labs take on. So the one downtown Chicago does a ton. We do same day services, overnight services, custom shades at all our locations, same day adjustments at all our locations. I mean, you're down downtown Chicago, right? I mean, yeah, if you look out, we're right at the beam downtown. So we have two labs downtown. We started it up as a kind of a startup more for service. So we had a denture person and a ceramist down there. And then over time, we just started getting a high demand because you'd be surprised. Downtown Chicago, there's not many labs. And if they are, they're two, three-person labs just because sure. real estate costs and we got lucky and they were doing like a fire sale to get up to a certain occupancy in the building we're in. So we bought a space, but then we soon saw that grow. And now we bought a second space. So we're on the 17th floor and 11th floor. And I think right now we have about 15, 16 people downtown Chicago. I've always been curious about labs that are, you know, in a big city like that. I mean, logistically doing deliveries and pickups must be a nightmare just to get around the city. So just in downtown Chicago, I have two routes that one covers South Chicago, one covers North Chicago. Those are in vehicles. South and North, you can find parking. I mean, we've all been to midwinter, right? You can't find parking downtown. So I actually have an on-foot delivery person. Wow. And she averages about, we do step contests for our insurance company. She wins them all. She averages (laughs) 14 miles a day on foot. Oh, wow. So she just ran into these big buildings doing pickup and deliveries all day. And that's, she loves it in the summer. It gets a little cold in the winter. I but, bet. Uh, aw, that's a great idea. I would love that job, actually. She loves it. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. Because I'm like, oh, we'll probably have turnover at this position because come winter, who wants and, and she just loves it. And she does a great job at it. And she, I mean, she's almost like a sales rep because she's so familiar with all these offices and you know she can do all these extra favors for them so they just really enjoy her and we always laugh you know you have all of us you work so hard and then come christmas the drivers are the heroes that get all the christmas presents <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. No one's giving her a box of donuts to walk back to the lab. <laughs> I just love having the drivers because there's a lot of times you could have a case go wrong and they might not call us and tell us, but we'll tell the drivers because they trust yeah. them. Right? And also, I mean, they're always telling me, hey, just so you know, I saw two of this lab's box in their, oh, yeah. in their offices or I haven't picked up in three days. And, you know, I'm kind of concerned. I mean, they take it personally. You know, they have good relationships with these offices and they want to continue to go into those offices. So they really do uh, help our sales and marketing team keep a pulse on, you know, just how we're doing in the field. Yeah, I've had several of my drivers do the same thing. You're like, you know, I see another box in there and then it gives you an opportunity to save the client before they leave altogether. Because sometimes they just try out other laboratories to see, you know, quality or they're not happy with the turnaround time. And your drivers come in and give you that information and it enables us to, you know, make it a win for us and go out and say, hey, what's going on? 
before they leave you because they usually try another lab for a couple of weeks before they decide to walk. So Absolutely. I think that's great. So what's next for Ottawa? What are you guys looking to do? I mean, you're back to work. You're busier than ever. What's next? It's great to be back to work. We've been setting aggressive goals for ourselves every year organically. We like to grow at least 12%. This year might be a little challenging to get it with the two to three months off, but we'll be working hard to at least push towards, I might do the let's remove that and still grow 12% on a nine month year. Um, So push towards that. And then we're also heavily looking into acquisitions throughout the Midwest. So we have some things in the works there that hopefully can come to fruition. Obviously, the COVID didn't help on some of those things. I think I've talked to other people in the industry too. You know, you kind of had things where you need them and then, uh uh-oh. Yeah. So just getting back to that, I think too, just figuring out, I'm putting a lot of focus, how do you go about your sales and marketing these days? I think marketing has been a plus. I think we've been able to get creative and really find new ways to market. But now, how is it going to look to do sales? Because a lot of our growth comes from our sales team. I mean, we push hard. My goal is to get 50 new clients every month um, Mm -hmm. to at least buy us. That's kind of our goal that we shoot for that we, you know, know we always want at least 600 new attempts a year. Um, Mm -hmm. So how do we get those attempts right now? Right. I think it's going to be easy to go into our existing customers, but it's going to be challenging to get in front of new opportunities. So a lot of what we're doing now is just looking at how we can do that. We've got some ideas, but I think still seeing where are we going to be come August, right? Our doctor's going to ease up. And I think it, a lot of that based on your market, like south of us, it's a little easier to walk into offices than downtown Chicago, just because of the consumer confidence or whatever. Sure. The precautions that are in place. Absolutely. But I mean, I think we're just looking at mainly the organic growth plus acquisitions is kind of what we're looking at. Do you guys have any CE in your labs? Do you bring clients? and train them at all? Do you have a segued into a training force for digital? Yeah. So, I mean, we do bring CE. We bring people into the lab. What we've done in the past that works well, probably once a month, we'll hit different markets and rent out the nicest restaurants and bring in CE or do the CE ourselves on different topics. We are partnering with some manufacturing companies right now, developing some online CE opportunities for doctors. Nice. That's something we're in the works of. We'll both do live ones and then also recorded ones. Mm-hmm. So we're in the process of that. And then we'll be needing to video different things on just how we can help the office, whether it's teaching them how to do models or teaching them about new products, just how can we be a resource to them? Yeah. Focusing a lot on digital as well, like bringing in, I think now doctors are more in tune to listen about interoral scanning than ever. Mm-hmm. We've seen a huge kick on that just ourselves now, I would say our digital, we're getting about 25, 30% more digital cases than we were before. And it's not from new customers. It's just people that had the scanners that maybe weren't using them all the time are now using them all the time. Funny thing, huh? What the coronavirus did to our uh, industry. I I think you're going to see we've increased in digital as well. I think patients are probably more inclined to go to those dentists now at this point. It's a lot less invasive. And where the price points are now, I mean, it's hard to say why you wouldn't have one, right? Yeah, for sure. What scans are you seeing the most from in your area? Our area is heavy trios and iTero. Yeah. Yeah. Medit's picking up a little bit. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Picking up the most, I think, with the price point. And it is, I mean, I think it's a very quality scanner. Do you guys have scanners in the lab that you send out to doctors? Because I know some labs do that kind of marketing. I've put some into practices uh, in the past, our bigger accounts. I didn't find that as a great strategy. I thought it was at the time, but what I realized is anytime you give anybody something for free, they don't necessarily feel they need to use it, right? They have no... Yep. Yeah. We do have programs that we give, hey, if you buy a scanner and you send us X amount of cases, we'll give you a percent rebate on your bill. That's what we do and it works really well. And then we do have two people that are pretty much trained on all of the different scanners. So they'll go out and train chairside. I feel that is a huge benefit because one, we get the information we need and two, it just builds trust within the practice. I find a lot of these, depending on who you buy your scanners from, they do a pretty quick training and the person training doesn't always know what a lab needs to do the case, right? They can say the scan looks good, but 
just because the scan looks good doesn't mean the information's accurate. <laughs> True. I think that's a great idea. I'm curious on how you got those people trained. I mean, did you send them to the individual companies to train or? The one we trained with the most was with Trios. We sent them to a Trios trainings. Yeah. And then with Medit, I brought in a reseller to come in house and train our people on the Medit. And it worked good for them because I'm like, here, I'll refer my doctors to you. This way you don't have to fly out and train them. I'll train them for you. So they saw a benefit in that. And we're, you know, you're able to work a little discount in for your doctors because they don't have to pay for training anymore. Yep. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I get calls of how to use a scanner clinical side. And I have no clue. I've never seen it, yeah. but uh, I can tell you what it looks on our end. <laughs> yep. It's a huge opportunity because a lot of times these people will buy a scanner. And like you said, I mean, they're having troubles with it. And if their lab doesn't know how to troubleshoot it, they'll call another lab. And if you know how to do it, it's a lot of times you're now getting new business. Because of it. Christy, part three. Sorry, I can't turn it off. Come on, line three. Christy. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I am working today. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I, I've always wanted to train people up on the clinical side of the digital scanners because mm -hmm. we get those questions all the time. And I feel like an idiot that I can't help. And you're right. They probably call you guys and you guys know what you're talking about. Uh, we've had them in several I just think it allows you to be a better resource, but then it also allows your team internally just to understand what they need to make a good product. Yeah, absolutely. So when your scans come in, do you have like a technical team that actually looks at the scans and marks the margins and then do those same people if the scan comes in unacceptable? Are those the ones that go out to the client or do you have like a client technical team where everything goes to them and they go out to the client. So we have a portal team that first just receives in the cases, gets them entered into our system, make sure all the basic information is on there. You know, what type of crown it is, when's the due date. And they're good enough that they can definitely see if they didn't capture all the information. Mm -hmm. Once they get that entered, they pass it over to my printing team who has the technical IQ where they're marking the margins. And if they have issues, they'll hand it off to our fixed technical team that'll do the technical calls. Ah. We're kind of broke out in customer service with technical managers and they each have customer service people that are assigned to them. So if you're the fixed technical manager, you have a customer service rep that works directly with you. That person will do the basic calls and you'll do the technical calls. So it's just one of those areas, again, we found that you have these high qualified managers that are calling on due dates. It's, I mean, it's just not the best way to use their time. So let's bring in customer service people to support our management team. That way your managers are only spending their time on high level phone conversations. Wow. Yep. That's exactly what we do here. We have a team that books in cases and they look at the designs and then we have a technical team of three and they're the ones that talk to the clients and explain the scans to them and talk about materials and any of the good and the bad. I think that's a very efficient way of doing business. So what about chairside conversions and all that? Do you guys get in on that? I mean, do you have technicians that go out and sit chairside to do the all on fours and the trifoils? We're heavy into that. I mean, I think it's one of those things when it first came into the market, everyone gets all excited about it. And then you go, uh-oh, man, this really disturbs your removable team because yeah. you're losing all this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yep. So we now have seven people that go chairside. Wow. You know, we have one in Chicago that covers that market. We have one in Ottawa that covers our market. And then one in Bloomington that kind of covers the South. And then we have three or four other people that are trained to do when there's multiple conversions. We're probably doing two conversions a day. Wow. And we have one person that that's their full-time job is just to be a conversion. Um, they have experience. They've done thousands of arches at one of those big places, I'm sure you can guess. So we yeah. brought them on staff just beginning of the year, just because it was like, well, how do we not interrupt our removable team? So we really put a plan together. So the only time they might miss somebody like once every couple of weeks, just because we have multiple conversions in the same area. So we definitely do a lot of them. Mark Williamson was kind of the one that brought that. He started it. Now he's trained everybody here to be able to go out and do them. Yeah. Of course, you always have some people that the doctor wants a specific technician. So every once in a while, you still run into that. But overall, I mean, we've 
been able to recently set it up to where it doesn't cause an interruption on our everyday production. Yeah. Fantastic. That's what we ran into. Our removable manager was doing conversions, and every time she had a conversion, now my removable department was a mess. Exactly. We've actually sent a few guides to you guys because I had a doctor that needed mini guides printed, and I have a a hatred for minis. So I let you guys do the guides. You guys do some really good planning of implants. I imagine that's a good portion of what you do, guided surgery. Yeah, we do a lot of guided surgery, so we have a team of four people that are planning cases all day. Yeah. Cleaning up the files and doing that. And again, that's been great for business because a lot of times we're working with surgeons and the beauty is, is we share the same patients. So we've gotten a lot of referrals through surgeons and I think GPs really respect the opinions of surgeons. So if we can make the surgeons happy, I think they're giving a good word to the GPs, which really gives us a better opportunity to get an opportunity to work with the GPs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, totally. And I think you're going to just continue to see guided surgery grow. I mean, it's to me, it's almost crazy. It's just not the standard of care anymore. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It's kind of strange how little people use it. Yeah, you might as well get as much information. I know if I'm getting an implant, I would, for a few hundred dollars, I'd like to see what they're putting in. Yeah, what's under there. So is your family still all involved in it, in the business? So right now, it's my brother and I, we're the two owners, and he's more on the operational side. I'm on the business side. Um, and then one of my oldest sister uh, joined us two years ago. So she's now our operations manager and works directly with all our managers and nice. really focuses on the career development of the people underneath our management team to make sure we're giving them the focus they deserve. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's the, there's three of us in the business. Mm-hmm. And then a brother-in-law, my brother-in-law runs our Bloomington lab. So I guess there's four of us in the business. Any of your uh, children up and coming or are you going to pass that along? They're little. I got four. My daughter's eight. I have twin boys that are six and a four-year-old boy. Wow. Okay. Scratch that. One day. (laughs) My brother's got four kids, so I'm sure eight kids working together could be a nightmare, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll figure that out 10 years down the road. That makes sense. You going to try to talk them into the business or talk them out of the business? Um, I think work is good for any kid. So I definitely will probably have them working here at some point. Yeah. I'm a big believer in let people figure out their own life. There you go. If they feel this is what they want to do and I would love to have them. But if they feel they want to go do something else, I'd love to see them succeed doing that as well. And then they can come back later. (laughs) There's nothing worse though. I mean, I have friends that are in family businesses. They might do well in life, but they don't enjoy a day they go to work. I mean, at that point, it's not worth it. What's the point? Exactly. I mean, for us, luckily, my brother and I get along great and we really enjoy what we're doing. We look at how do you expand your business? I mean, we can all make good teeth. I think most labs in the country do. So I think we really enjoy, you know, just how do we develop new people? Let's do acquisitions. A lot of the business side of it, right? It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Yeah. Really the strategic planning. And we incorporated what's called the EOS system a few years ago, entrepreneur operating system, Mm -hmm. which has really helped our company. Um, We have it on the executive team all the way down to the management team and in each department. So we really share all our information. We That allows people to know what's happening in the business. Also, you share all your goals with everybody. So it holds people accountable, ourselves as well. I mean, our executive team shares our goals at the beginning of the year with the entire company. And then quarterly, we do a company-wide meeting and we give updates on where we're at on our goals. I mean, back in the day, you know, you hid your goals. And if you didn't yeah. get them, you, yeah. knew you failed. Now we're up front. Like one of our goals is South Bend will have a new lab in three years. Well, if I don't have a new lab in three years, I'm accountable for that because I didn't grow it big enough to get a new lab, right? Yeah. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> now the whole world knows it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. But I mean, to me, we've always said if you, I mean, if a goal isn't written down or in front of people, it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Love that. That's great. So is this your first year on the Cal Lab Board? 
Yeah, it's been an exciting year. Everything's getting canceled, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it is. What made you get involved with Cal Lab? I mean, of course, Barb, you're on the board here. Yeah. And we've had many people every year on the podcast talk about the Cal Lab meeting. We're we're huge fans of oh, yeah. it. I know I've seen you there multiple times. What made you get involved? I think just the people on the board, uh, people I respect, just wanting to continue to learn and not only learn about Ottawa Dental Lab, but learn about the whole dental industry as a whole. And I think bringing education to the whole industry is an important thing. And we've always keyed on education at our company. Um, So I think just taking that beyond just our own company and going into the industry, it's a great honor to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to working with you. Can't wait. Need to... uh get going here. Yeah. My brother and I and all of us, we've always kind of been hidden in Ottawa and kind of kept to ourselves until recent. We've been getting out a little bit more and I think seeing there's a lot more to the dental lab industry than just our own company, right? And just really enjoying meeting a lot of the people that we've been able to meet and being able to extend our network. Five years ago, I would, we kind of tried to figure everything out ourselves. I mean, now I'm coming up with ideas. I'm calling four or five labs that I respect and they share opinions. We're all open with each other, say, yeah, that sounds great. Or you buy it first and let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even when I was building this lab five years ago, if I built this lab, it would look much different. And I don't think I'd be happy with it. Yeah. But now I was able to go to two or three big labs that recently either renovated or built and really see what they did and they were very open to me like this was a great idea you have to do this and hey if i were you i wouldn't waste square footage on this so i feel like people have the best interest in you as well they really do a lot of labs of all sizes people that call me for advice i was just on a call this morning like hey what do you think of this or that and well here's how i would handle it and oh wow that's great i wouldn't have thought of that everyone has different experiences. And so I think just sharing is a huge plus for our industry because I think it's, we're all pretty good at sharing information. Yes. Well said. I I completely agree. I love what I do. And I love the fact that we all share information and help each other. And I don't see that ever coming to an end, honestly, just going to get better. There's enough customers for all of us to be quite successful. Yep. Agree. Yeah, you're able to find that many in just that small area. That's pretty amazing. I think you guys are killing it out there. And what we've learned from you today, you bringing that to CalLab, I'm excited. Me too. I think it's going to be some good stuff. For sure. So let us in on the secret. Is there going to be a CalLab meeting next year? I do believe. I'm on several boards and we've all been discussing moving forward and what we're going to do. And, you know, we're all super optimistic. And in my head and my heart, I'm saying, let's go for it. Can't give up at this point. You know, the virus isn't going anywhere. Let's go. We got to live life. I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, awesome, sir. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. That is a great story. I love what you guys are doing. I love the education you provide to your employees. I wish we could duplicate it. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) And I love that you take care of your employees first. And that's what's in the front of your mind when you're thinking business. And I think that's very important. And the people working for you guys are lucky. We're lucky to have them. I mean, you're only as good as your people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that one advantage of being in a small town is, you know, people have a little small town and they come in and they want to learn and they're committed to you. So you, you don't see as much turnover as if you're in a bigger city either. Yeah. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of people you went to high school with? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't work with many people. I went to high school. A lot of their like, family members or stuff like that. Yeah. But not necessarily. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having us on. You guys do a great job, and it's great for our industry. Thanks. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I'll talk. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. A huge thanks to Jim for coming on the podcast. I love to hear about labs that stay in the family for multiple generations. And I know you do too, Barb. Heck yeah. Why, I couldn't imagine... The logistics of having so many labs with so many drivers. I can't even barely handle the six we have here. (laughs) One day, if I ever get over this, I'm going to apply for their walking delivery job in Chicago. Oh, 
I know. That sounded amazing, right? Isn't it? Yes. 14 miles a day walking around a city. I bet you that lady's like the supest fittest person ever. That's right up your alley, except for it's super cold there in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to call in sick between the months of uh, <laughs> November, oh, November and March. Way to March. <laughs> Super cool. I appreciate you, Jim, for coming on. That was a great conversation. All right, everybody. That's all we got. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Stay safe. Bye. Ay, ay, ay.